from Luminary Media and Jigsaw Productions. You want to be a grifter? Grifter? Yes. I tell them what they want to hear if it gets me what I want. You're a thief and a liar. I only lied about being a thief. I don't do that anymore. I just made the world's easiest five grand. It's a nice car, Nicky. A true artist can really take the con to a whole new level. I'm Alex Gibney. This is Lies We Tell. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. One of the things about screenwriting is like everybody hates everything that you write. This is Greg Mandarano. His story is part of a larger and still unfolding story. We've been tracking it as it started popping up on Instagram. I have a confession for you, Tessa. Oh, okay. I hate Instagram. I do. <laughs> I understand that. I have a love-hate relationship with Instagram myself, so... Tessa told me that photographers and influencers were being lured to Indonesia as part of this elaborate scam. But... Before finding its targets on Instagram, this very same con had rattled a different circle. One reporter, Scott Johnson, gave this story a name that really stuck. Con Queen of Hollywood. Our reporter, Tessa Kramer, started reaching out to the victims. They know that it started with screenwriters and then quickly involved Australian stuntmen Hmm. and German photographers and Polish makeup artists. You're picturing other scams that you've heard about. This is not that. A lot of money has been lost because of this. But what caught our interest has nothing to do with money. It's so much weirder than that. (laughs) (laughs) Rather than playing on a target's greed... This con plays on people's dreams and creativity. I started reaching out to people who had gotten caught up in it. And just as I was feeling like I had a grip on this story, on the scammer's M.O., I came across this guy. Um, I don't don't know if you guys would have a problem with it. Me smoking a cigarette in here, I could just take it in the other room for a few minutes. You don't care? So then I'll just be right back. Greg's story is wild. It's never been told. He's one of the people who got scammed. Yeah. But he's definitely not typical. (laughs) He's an extreme case because he had written this um, screenplay that had to do with politics involving Chinese submarines and United States submarines and everybody. I don't know. Something political about submarines in China. And so he pitched (laughs) all these Chinese production companies, Uh like tons and tons of 
of websites and anybody he could find, and one of them happened to be fake. And wow! So, so, so then he, he walked right into the spider's web. Exactly, and he went to Indonesia like four times. Um, so wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. How, he went back and forth four times, and at what point did he realize that there was no reason? Like, I <laughs> yeah. don't understand. Okay, so, yeah. Explain. <laughs> Maybe we should start with the phone call. The phone call. It was the moment that everything changed. A moment that seemed like it could be his big break. So to start, can you tell me kind of what you were doing before all this started? Um, well, I mean, for a while I was trading the stock market a lot. But his real passion was writing. I'm obsessed with screenwriting. I mean, you have to be if you want to get anywhere in it. He'd written a bunch of screenplays by this point, and he was sending them around. And I convinced my friend, Dave, to join me on a script just because I thought it would be fun for us to work together. They came up with this idea. It was an uh, action-adventure screenplay about like the president's daughter and a nuclear problem between China and the United States. It was a whole thing. Greg was pitching it all over to Hollywood and in China because the story, he thought it might appeal to Chinese production companies. And I randomly came across the Chinese Film Group Corporation website. Anything you look up about the company is, it's, it's huge. Really huge. CFGC, the China Film Group Corporation, is one of the largest film companies in China. They're a major billion-dollar company. Which brings us back to that phone call. I'm like, okay, these people are calling me from another country. They're interested. Gregory had been contacted by Hui Lang. Hui Lang Jing. She said her nickname was Honey. Hui Lang introduced herself as... The vice president of development at CFGC. They were interested. The initial conversation was like over an hour. They wanted him and his writing partner to come to Indonesia to meet with some executives and, and talk through it. That's when it felt very real. Hui Lang explained that the Chinese government had all these discounts and incentives to film in Indonesia. And so in order to seal the deal, Greg and Dave would need to fly to Jakarta to do some on-the-ground work. It was just going to be like a three-day thing so they booked tickets, hopped on a plane, and arrived in Jakarta. And then we get picked up by the driver. Huilang sent drivers, and Greg and Dave really hit it off with this particular driver. Uh, I miss him. He always let us smoke cigarettes in the car. He barely knew any English. He was—he always had a smile on his face. He was great. Did he have a name? What? If it, no, no. He was the—he was just the guy, the, the Jakarta guy. Okay. The first time we got picked up from the airport, he had. Burgers, arguably the best burgers I ever had. They were called um, Rambo Burgers. That's what they were, Rambo Burgers. Anyway, they drove off to meet this other person from CFGC who introduced himself as Anand. Anand Sippy, the grandson of a famous Indian director. And he was great. You know, he was like an up-and-coming executive Gung-ho, positive, very positive. But still, going into that first meeting, Greg was nervous. My lawyer was telling me, expect everything to be bugged. So you don't, you know, you're dealing with a totalitarian state in effect. Oh, wow. I assumed, the, I like went by the assumption the entire time that it was possible. Every conversation was recorded and that our hotels were bugged. Okay. And in the first meeting that we had, 
uh, we were being recorded. Video recording. Wait, what? Oh, yeah. In the first meeting that we had in Jakarta, the first or second, whatever, when we went into the room... Into the office space Anand had brought them to. Uh, there was a television. He accidentally pressed a button. And the TV was showing the room that we were in with oh. us in it. It was a little creepy, but they figured... They were recording the interview for higher-ups the company. But they brushed it off. After all, this could be a life-changing meeting. So anyway, back to Anand. He brought us upstairs. And things got off to a great start. Anand was super friendly. And he loved the style. They talked through the idea and all the creative. And Anand said, we really like the story, but... 30 minutes in, he explains how there's no chance that it could be made in China because even though one of the main heroes in the script is Captain Shining, who's the captain of the hunter-killer sub who ends up sacrificing his life so that the Navy SEALs could defeat Rithay before he launches missiles and destroys the United States and starts World War III. It doesn't matter. Military portrayal. is just out of the question. No chance, right? End of story. But me, uh, in the meeting, I pivoted. And I said, look, if you love the story so much and the problem is the censorship bureau, why not just come at the entire story from another angle. What if we adapt it and make it a sci-fi story and we have the same plot, but instead of, you know, China and the U.S., it's like planet Zor and, you know, whatever. Totally. <laughs> like, it's a ring world of water around a gas giant planet. And so Anand said, that could work. Go back to your hotel, write up a new pitch for me, and I'll send it up the ladder. Greg had bought them another chance at the last minute. And so we went back to the hotel, we spoke to Hui Lang, and then, you know, we worked all night and came up with the core elements of what would end up becoming Shadows Beyond, inspired by the original story, but everything was different. And so they flew back home, and pretty soon they got word from Hui Lang. The execs liked the new direction. And they wanted a preliminary treatment. So we wrote one fast. And they liked it, and they wanted us to develop it more. They needed us to go back to Indonesia because they wanted Indonesian mythology, history, and locations incorporated into the treatment. Anand was great. We, we had, you know, there was no complaints whatsoever about him at all. He was amiable, he was fun, he was insightful. But Hui Lang, the executive who had first reached out and who was in charge of all the business stuff and the travel arrangements, she was a different story. She was very manipulative. I didn't like her. But he figured he could, like, put up with her. And my lawyer's advice was, keep your head down, focus on the work. So that's that's what I did. I threw myself into the project completely. But... At this point, Greg and Dave were starting to feel some strain. It was like the third trip or something. Dave's back would bother him after long trips. So we used our miles to upgrade to business class for the 16-hour flight on the way back because he wanted to be able to lie back. And literally, like, we were at the airport on our way to Yogyakarta, 
waiting in the lounge, chilling, playing talisman in my tablet, smoking cigarettes, talking to my dad. And then five minutes, five minutes after uh, we upgraded our seats, Huilang calls us and tells us that they wanted the trip extended. I said, look, we literally just upgraded our flights to business. And because when the trip gets extended, we lose those miles. So I asked them if they could upgrade one of the seats. And that conversation was the first time that I suspected Hui Lang was full of shit. Because she said that Anand told her to stop coddling us. But I'm like, okay, fine. She puts it off on Anand. Big deal. We get on board Yogyakarta. We eat our bean croissants. An hour and ten minutes later, we're getting our baggage. I get my phone. 50 messages from my parents. Thank you. Fucked up. You fucked up. What did you say? You ruined everything. Like, it's, I saved the pride. I'm like, like, what the fuck is this? Wait a second. Why were Greg's parents texting him? So, because Greg and Dave were so busy location scouting and writing new drafts in Indonesia, Greg's parents started handling all their travel and accounting from the U.S. Got it. Yeah. Actually, Greg's whole family got involved. So anyway, after Greg and Dave mentioned to Hui Lang about Dave's back pain. Immediately after that conversation, Hui Lang contacted my parents, said that one of the things that Dave said tripped an internal red flag review in the company because he said that he made mention to like us not getting a lot of sleep or that we were hungry or so. I don't know. He said something that was like innocent, but according to them, set up a red flag review. These kinds of miscommunications kept happening. Greg and Dave would have one conversation with Anand or Hui Lang, and then Greg's parents would hear something entirely different. It was confusing, and it was really stressing everybody out. There was a point where I was telling my parents, look, if she called, don't answer. They didn't listen to me. It was getting kind of awful until finally... It was uh, a final meeting for us, and we were supposed to have, there was supposed to be a big announcement, and we were supposed to have a meeting, me and Dave, at the office. We were supposed to go together, and they call us in the morning and tell me that they want to bring Dave first. Fine. The guy comes, takes Dave, they leave. Greg is left all alone while Anand meets one-on-one with Dave. Meanwhile... It was the Mets World Series. People, I found like a pirated website. I listened to the entire fucking game in the lobby, sitting there. It was like four hours. And it's at this point that things start to go really sideways for Greg and Dave. I'm like, Dave, what the fuck just happened? Why were you in there for four hours? The details at first sound like normal sort of Hollywood bullshit. They didn't want to give us deal A. They wanted to give us deal B. With one deal, we would be brought on as the writers for the project. And we would get more money uh, versus the other one where we would sell them the treatment. But what happened next was not just a normal business negotiation. Greg got a call from his parents they are like, brace yourself. I'm like, all right, I'm braced. 
Anand had a conversation with my sister and my mom. Anand told them that... Like, Dave talked shit about me, talked shit about my parents, mentioned all these specific things where it's like, that how would they, how would they know that if Dave didn't say these things? In the end, the con pitted Dave against Greg and his family. Dave was forced out, and eventually it became obvious that the whole thing had only ever been an elaborate sham. Uh, and that's why Dave's never doesn't hasn't talked to me in four and a half years. How did you know Dave? Who who was he before all this? I've known him for like twenty years. Oh. I don't know, whatever, long time. You guys are good friends. Yeah, he was my best friend for sure, and it was just it just all got fucked up. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. None of this was even real, right? Exactly. All of this was over fake deal terms. 20 years of friendship, gone. I should say, I reached out to Dave even tried his parents. No response. So what's the purpose of all this emotional manipulation? Like, does it make the con more money somehow? I don't—it doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's really perplexing. Um, I don't know how this would make more money. Maybe there's a way, but I I think this is where— the joy of being the puppet master comes into play for the con artist. We lost a lot of money. Yeah, how much money? Um, it was like 80000 in travel, into total stuff. And then like a, an additional... Oh. The steps. Don't know the steps. steps. No, Here I come. I heard money. <laughs> yeah. No, I heard 
This is Greg's mom. I mean, I'm not one to scam easy, I'll tell you that. (laughs) They had them filling out receipts and invoices and, you know, save all your papers so that we can reimburse you. And every trip over there had a big reimbursement process. People, People, I'm sure, going over it in their heads, they're like, how the fuck do you have a company that doesn't give you the reimbursements and not think that you're being played? And I was never particularly involved in the financial things, but my parents totally bought into it, completely. Why would Hui Lang and Anand be hounding them day and night about edits and paperwork if all of this wasn't legit? Just the sheer amount of paperwork and bank bullshit that they had to go through. Tell me about, like, what um, money you get Okay, okay. Oh, man. So we're going to the money, right? Here's how the money part of this scam worked. Remember the guy? The guy. The driver. The guy. Yeah. Rambo guy. Uh Uh-huh. The guy played a key role. Here's how all that went. We couldn't just have our own transportation. We had to use theirs. CFGC would reimburse everything as long as they used Hui Lang's drivers. Hello? Hi, Gregory. Hi. This is a call with Hui Lang that Gregory recorded okay. and shared with me. What happened in Jakarta? Oh, was it in Jakarta? You are responsibility, regardless of what I said to you. You are my responsibility. What happened to me? Dave, was it in Jakarta? No, it was in... Surabaya. Surabaya. Like, this guy came up and... Uh, it wasn't a marked taxi. It was like... Yeah, he took a shortcut, and so uh, and so we were like a little nervous in the car, but what? Oh yeah, we paid him. Yeah, and he took us there, no problem. It was just um, we felt like it was a wrong decision to get. Exactly, that is why you have a car, right, to take you there. And next time, that communication. Okay, I'm sorry that we didn't communicate. Like, if you were going to hire someone in Indonesia to drive you around all day long, it would have been 30 times cheaper. On top of that, they were being asked to do way more travel than they expected. The trips just kept getting extended. It's like, we'd have to extend the trip. Wasn't enough time. We had to do more. And when it got, when it would get extended, we would have to pay them more money. The costs were skyrocketing. Everything had to be given to them in dollars. All money was given to the driver. Nobody else ever took money. Nobody. Um, He was the guy. The guy would take them to an ATM. And we would have to take out local currency and then go to one of the exchange places and exchange it to American currency and then give the American currency to the driver because the Chinese only accepted American currency. You're taking out the max amount over and over and over and over again. It would be like a stack. One time it was a huge deal where it was like the middle of the night and it was like the guy came late and we go to the ATM and it was like the eight, our, our card got locked because we took out, we were take, we'd taken out so much that it was like a banking thing. And like, 
Sui Lang was giving me shit over the phone in one ear, and then the other, I'm talking to Bank of America, like, yes, I'm really in Indonesia, and yes, I'm really using the ATM 15 times in a row. It was a pain in the ass, but it was all going to be reimbursed. The reimbursement was supposed to happen, but it kept not happening. Here's a memo. The China Film Group Corporation confirms your reimbursements related to the following travel reimbursement memorandum numbers and letters and this, that, and the other thing. And there were stamps and financial officers and notaries. And it had to do with, like, banking transfers. And The really weird part of this scam is it just didn't seem like anyone would go to that much trouble Hui Lang was calling about paperwork and checking in with Greg's parents constantly. She called me like 10 times a day. She was a pest. Calling me and nagging me and hassling me. I mean, it was annoying. They would have hour-long conversations, shooting the shit, like... What? Yeah, like, because Greg's parents had agreed to front the money for the trips, they took on the work of coordinating with Hui Lang and her colleagues about all the finances, which were a giant headache. Why isn't this transfer going through? And they said, oh, it got caught up because it was actually a mistake in the address. So that's why they kept me going, because I made the mistake. Mm -hmm. So that got caught up in all the transfers. But when fixing the error didn't solve the problem, Greg's mom was like... Well, where's the money now? You know, I was going back and forth with their so-called chief financial officer and that whole billing place. And I was like, I don't know. In the end... Greg says his family lost about $80,000 to this con and made, in total, seven trips to Indonesia. Greg is not alone. Tessa reached out to travel photographers, digital nomads, makeup artists, stuntmen, actors, location scouts, former military action film security experts. I was sitting in my hotel bed. It's 5 a.m. in the morning. You know, my heart was racing. My stomach sank. And it all just poured over me. And I, in my, my mind was racing. I was going over and over all of the conversations that I had had with this character. I felt very stupid. I felt incredibly, incredibly ashamed. I mean, I was really angry. and I was definitely feeling a little embarrassed, you know, that we fell for this. Definitely confused. Financially, it sucked, and emotionally, it sucked. You know, it leaves a bad taste in your mouth. The whole thing was really stressful. The people have come back. They've left going, I'm off to get my big break. They've come back with a tail between their legs. I mean, she, was, she seemed genuinely interested in who we were. They, they got me. <laughs> This has been happening to hundreds of people. Wait, like... Yeah. So can you just go ahead and introduce yourself? Sure. I'm Nicole Katsianis. I'm a senior director at K2 Intelligence, which is a private investigation firm based in New York. Cool. And Nicole or Nicoletta? Well, Nicoletta's the real okay. the real name, but only <laughs> angry Greek people would call me that. So <laughs> it's kind of the pen name. Okay. Everyone calls me Nicole. <laughs> okay. I guess, what can you say about, like, what you know? Yeah, they're a well-established con artist okay. before this scam. Long history of, oh, wow. of this sort of thing. Did you catch that? Wait, one con artist? as This is one person scamming all these people? Yeah. Not just one ringleader hiring a team. 
It's one person making all the phone calls, writing all the emails. But wait, what about Anand and Huilang? Same person. The driver? So the driver is an exception. As far as we can tell, he was, like, hired by the con artist. But everyone else, all the accountants, and, like, all these dozens of characters, one person, one guy. Who's pretending to be... So many people, like dozens of characters. By email, there was half a dozen additional people. That is crazy. It's totally insane. It's totally insane. Like You know, there was Susanna Sang, who was the higher-up person who, you know, threatened us multiple times via emails. Marcy Pang... Isabel Chang. And then there was like a million little peons, you know, like... Accounts payable at thechinafilmgroup.com. Oh my God. <laughs> like Simon Guo, production, legal, dash film. The name of his, you know, that, that comes up it, attached to his email is X-I-M-E-N, Simon. But then he signs his emails to these Americans, S-I-M-O-N, like those tiny oh, details. Whoa. Yeah, I love those tiny details because it's like it's that's the thing that makes you think it's real, right? Oh, man. I didn't trust anything Hui Lang said. I thought that she was manipulating things. I wanted her off the project. Anand, I loved. He was insightful running the development. You know, Hui Lang was, you know, she did her job and she had a lot of insights, too. Because it's the same fucking person. I had no idea that there were just, just this was one person. And there were many times I felt like slamming the phone on her. Really? Yeah. Him. Total Him. witch. Right. Him. Do you, they really believe that? According to the private investigators, most of the characters this con man plays are women. In his impersonation of some of these women, he kind of presents some of the worst caricatures of women in general. And so I think it just adds an element here that you don't typically see in these sorts of scams. Here's what we know. As of this recording, the con artist is still at large. The FBI has an open investigation. This scammer is a master impersonator. He is able to put on all kinds of voices and accents. After conning Greg, he went on to impersonate many famous female Hollywood producers. But in Greg's case, this con artist just made a phony website for this big Chinese film company, thechinafilmgroup.com. And Greg was unlucky enough to stumble onto it and email his script. And voila, fly meets spider. The sheer magnitude, all the production work and the performance. He created a whole world. It is a magnificent deception. One person being able to pull it off and pull off a long con where he is the team, it's impressive. It's really impressive. I mean, the guy is obviously a genius. But at the same time... It's a shame that this is all that he could do with it. Like, seriously? Like, bottom-feeding travel expenditures off of people? Being called the Hollywood con queen? Like, that's not, like, a big con. This really was and and is um, more about the manipulation than it is about the money. 
Right. There's a lot of money that's been made for sure, but people are a plaything for this this person, and so that's the key element, in my opinion. It's not like he had was doing quick phone transactions or conversations. He or she enjoyed conversing with us. I mean, she just went on and on. We couldn't get on her off the phone. We couldn't get her off the phone. And we were trying to be as polite as we could. So, you know, there was some kind of joy in it as well. There was a satisfaction. I don't know. Orgasmic then? <laughs> Who knew? Honestly, that's sort of a... There feels like there must be some kind of, like, getting off on this that he... Has to be. Yeah. Has to be. It seems like you know, there has to be something money. twisted in him. He's he's a sick puppy. I mean, come on. You know? Okay, do we know if it actually went to a sexual place? Yeah. So, yes. Oh. There's a part of this scam that's been sort of lurking in all the reporting about it. So there's a lot of people who who have spoken to this person that we've heard uh, heard from who the idea of Indonesia is never brought up and they only have these one-off sexual conversations where it's usually actors. You'll get the call and it'll sort of start out professional and then they'll be told that you're going to read for a scene or you're going to improv a scene with this huge producer. And so they thought it was sort of a test of would they play along, were they down for anything? And then you get on the phone and you're just acting out a scene in in the elevator. And so they would play along. And, and then it gets very, very inappropriate. So I, we categorize victims as everybody, including people who have gone to Indonesia and fronted money, um, impersonation victims, so high-profile individuals who have been impersonated, and then some of these people who had these sexual conversations um, that were very violating. So more than 100 people in those various categories and and hundreds of people who have received the calls in general. Right. There's kind of a pattern. A lot of very young people, lots of people in the beginning of their career, so they took a chance, and then ultimately they were wrong. So some people have said it kind of dulled their spark creatively. Um, Having spoken to a lot of these people, they are, um, I think, just thought they were getting a big break and thought somebody had discovered them. For Dave and Greg, when they got the call from this con artist, it began a period of intensive creative collaboration on this film treatment. They spent hours on the phone with Hui Lang and in these in-person meetings with Anand, working on this story and hearing creative notes from these executives. Greg told me it was an intensive process where Anand was giving him and Dave these detailed notes and having, you know, dozens of meetings with them. He met them. What kind of notes? Like creative notes on the story. Uh And I asked if those notes were good. And he said, yeah, they were super good notes. It was really (laughs) helpful. (laughs) Greg and Dave's script ended up being about this shadowy figure who's not exactly what they seem. Right. In Shadows Beyond, you have this little girl. To, to, to understand the context, you have to, like, read the whole script. The story that they, like, settled on, that they kind of developed together, 
Yeah. He was telling me about it, and he's describing how there's this character who's a woman who's actually, um, you think it's a man, and then it's, it basically, like, is. You are kidding me. It's just, that's wild, right? That. That you developed a, that story developed, with developed a character that was a female pretending to be a man and pretending that the man was real when the fact the man wasn't, but it ends up he was real and she was it's it's I mean, complicated, but there's that that sex transference there, which I mean you have a character that is essentially manipulating everyone and pretending to be different people to different people yeah so he probably felt drawn to to the character because of the parallel Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's interesting i was i wasn't really thinking about that yeah yeah you can hear it in the creative notes this con man gave to greg while pretending to be a female studio exec A chameleon. Yeah, chameleon. Yeah, like a shapeshifter, like a chameleon. But she's actually more of a chameleon of the mind, you know? Like, she can manipulate, you know? She has her own self-serving interests, but she has a backstory. I like to think that he wanted always to be a creative and sort of fell into his cons. And then through what we were doing, he found this opportunity to like role play this ideal version of himself where he's a producer and he gets to develop a project. In the biopic that I write. So yeah, what are you writing? You're gonna write a biopic of this guy called? Yeah. Oh, oh, called Chameleon of the Mind. Our, our idea is like, like a cross between Slumdog Millionaire and Cloud Atlas, where we're going to have like four time periods, one where this guy is a kid in India as a street sweeper learning the ways of the con, and then like one of his first cons, my con. For elimination of any confusion, any reference made within this episode to the China Film Group Corporation is intended to describe a fraudulent scheme and the phony impersonation of the company and should not be construed as a statement intended to imply any collaboration between CFGC and the perpetrator of these crimes. The China Film Group Corporation, or CFGC, was a victim of impersonation and did not contribute to or participate in any way in the elaborate con described in this episode. The perpetrator is not an employee of the China Film Group Corporation. CFGC did not participate in this podcast in any way. Okay, Alex, the next episode is about undercover cops. Right. Professional liars. That's right. I joined police department because they would let me carry a gun without going to jail. That's all I was interested in. I loved guns. I loved to shoot. I loved carrying it. And then when I got undercover, you mean tell me you're going to pay me to be the dope man? Oh, hell yeah. That's on the next episode of Lies We Tell. From Luminary Media and Jigsaw Productions. Lies We Tell is produced in association with Story Mechanics. Our producers are Claire Sloan Vance, Brenna Farrell, associate producers Sophie Behrman and Tessa Kramer. Our interns are Silver Lifton and Ali Einberg. Our executive producers are Ellen Horn, Stacey Offman, Richard Perello, Joey Mara, and John Schmidt. 
Original score and mixing by Story Mechanics. Our composer is Darren Gray. Our sound engineers are Charles Michelet, Hannes Brown, and Violet Furton. Special thanks to Jamie Lyons, Matt Sachs, and Kenzie Wilbur. Our researcher is Camille Peterson. I'm Alex Gibney, and this is Lies We Tell. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.